Hello and welcome to the Franchise Tag Podcast with me, your host, Freddie Hall. I hope you're doing all okay out there. Football's getting closer. We had the uh, Hall of Fame game only the other day between the Steelers and the Cowboys. A little taster of the NFL coming back very slowly. And of course, today, though this episode is probably going out later than it is anticipated, that the premium tickets for Tottenham came out today with the absurd prices that they were that I've seen, which, uh, well, if, if you want to pay that much, then that's all good for you. But it looks like the tickets are available for Tottenham and they're selling pretty darn quick. Um, but we are back with the Future of the Franchise series and we have Kevin on with us. Uh, he is the co-host of the NFL Draft Punk podcast. He is here to talk with us about his Minnesota Vikings and their pick at 23, the offensive tackle from Virginia Tech, Christian Darasaw. Kevin, were you one of them people today that got on at 10 o'clock? Have you got your premium ticket for Tottenham or have you used your money best wise? Um, I'm waiting for someone else to sort something out <laughs> and ask me if I want to go, I think is the best best thing. Someone out there has got to treat you, Kevin. We all exactly. need to be treated every now and then, don't we, my man? We all Absolutely. need to be treated every now and then. Um, so, yeah, the, the draft was, well, feels like a lifetime ago now in April, obviously, quite a while ago. But what was your reaction on the night to Minnesota Vikings trading down to begin with, which we'll probably talk about in a, in a moment. Mm-hmm. Um, but what was your reaction to the Christian Darasaw pick? Well, it was a much needed area, um, really. We we got rid of Riley Reef. He became a cap casualty. We asked him to restructure earlier on in this season from the um, Ngarkwe trade, if you can remember that far back, which also mm. seems like even more lifetime ago. So we definitely needed to um, look at that area and, actually, and bolster it and get someone there uh, who would be there for several years rather than getting into the sort of the crapshoot of free agency with um, kind of players like Villanueva, uh, Eric Fisher, Russell Okung being, being available for sort of one or two seasons. Um, it seemed like the right pick at that spot um a lot of mocks i know um arif Hassan's big board on the athletic the consensus board had him going a lot higher um i wasn't massively high on him as, as other tackles um but if you're talking about kind of grading offensive linemen um just some stats i obviously got some stats because i was going to be on here the, in the pff era they actually had him as uh last year's the second best lineman in the pff era behind penny seals 2019 season so from that perspective value yeah all good really <laughs> there was quite a bit of hype uh going into the draft with him and he was one of the few uh offensive tackles that actually played in the 2020 season i know a lot of the others opted out uh, but what impressed you the most uh, with his time with Virginia Tech? Well, I think it was quite a run-heavy offense, and which which really suits us down to the ground with, with what we want to do with, with Dalvin Cook. He's a big man. I think he moves pretty well. Um, the way he kind of uses his reach blocks on the O line is, is is at a particularly high level. Um, got his standing feet when he gets out on the move uh, in, into space. He's quite a frightening prospect. He's uh, kind of over 320 pounds, a big, big dude, a 6'5", 34-inch uh, arms. So he's going to uh, – he uses them pr- pretty well to his advantage. Um, he, uh, yeah, I, I think he's, he's great for what we want to do, to be honest. Yeah, he was, uh, he was definitely what well, I would go as far to say. He was definitely the best uh, left tackle at college last season, obviously with the opt-out. So it's an absolute great choice. Uh, he ticked all the boxes of the usual things, great hands, great feet. But I think the big thing that's uh, really shone for me with him was his discipline. Um, I think he didn't draw many penalties. I think it was only three penalties he drew. Um, and he had what, no, no sacks and no hits given last season as well. So, uh, yeah, I think there's more than just um, a prototype left tackle. There's a bit more behind him. And I think he's, he's definitely going to be good for the NFL. 
Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I guess it concerns me a little with 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 how run heavy that what that offense was at Virginia Tech. I don't think he was ever really put on an island too much, um, and a lot of times because of this sort of constant uh, movement on on their line. He was uh, he was obviously a lot of the time down blocking, and sometimes the defensive end would who he was lined up against would be running free. You'd get traps and whams coming from fullbacks or other guards pulling. Um, but like I said, for us and uh, our offensive line, what we want to do, we want to run the ball. Mike Zimmer's philosophy is clear: run, defend well, and uh, get deep shots off the play action pass, which probably come on to Kirk Cousins, I guess, later and what people think of him. But from from the play-action perspective, he's very accurate and he's good at downfield when, um, when everything is running to structure, which is, is exactly what we need to do. Well, is that going to help him then adapt into the NFL? You say about the scheme that, there, that was going on at Virginia Tech and really the names as well that are on the offensive line for the Vikings. We've got, you've got Brian O'Neill, still Garrett Bradbury, Ezra Cleveland, very, very decent offensive linemen. I, when looking at rankings on PFF, stuff like that, I was a bit offended, to be honest, by how low they ranked the, the offensive line for the Vikings. I think it's a lot better than it's given credit for. It's got uh, it, 2020, you're ranked 26th at the end of that season. At the start of this season, you're now ranked 27th. Um, I, I think that's unfair, personally. I think the players that you've got in there are, are, are way better than PFF, but that's another argument for another time about what PFF know. But um, with the names that you have there and with the, like I said, the scheme be very similar and that Mike Zimmer is going to be one of the run heavy course he does with Dalvin Cook. How well is he going to adapt into the NFL? Um, I think there's going to be some some issues. The, the big issue at the minute is he's not playing and he's not practicing. He's not fit. He had off-season surgery on what is described as a core muscle. Um, so I'm guessing there's something around abdominal region. Maybe it's some sort of sports hernia. Um, so he's just not taking reps. So at the minute, we've got our swing tackle, Rashad Hill, playing uh, left tackle at the moment. Uh, and in the press conference the other day, Zimmer described it as one step forward, two steps back. Um, but yeah, it, the, the whole... The whole pick of, of Darisol feels like a very Vikings pick. We did the same. You mentioned Bradbury, um, someone who I think plays better in in run offense rather than uh, passing offense. Really, um, the big concern for me is it, it, it's just another player on our offensive line who can't pass block, and that, <laughs> that is a real a real concern. I think at times Darisol can he doesn't. He's not not got that nasty in him. It, you know, a lot of people sort of fell in mm. love with Tevin Jenkins last year with how violent he was, how he finishes his, his blocks all the time. It, it's alarmingly um, often that Darisol doesn't do that. Um, I think he gets good consistency when he does, is asked to, in his kick slide, when he is asked to kind of pass block. But um, at times he seems to be a little bit on cruise control, kind of almost playing down to his competition. And you just like to see him dominate more. Um, it's almost at times too easy for him, maybe. And I think if he's going to be like that in the NFL, there's going to be some players who may cause him a problem, especially if they're kind of uh, more a quicker rusher, I think. Because if he doesn't get his hands on them, he, he'll tend to try and redirect rather than control the rep. Would you say that's probably maybe his biggest weakness then going into the NFL and the weaknesses that you saw at Virginia Tech was his aggressive like Andrew Andrew pointed out about you know zero penalties. That's a really great stat, don't get me wrong. But yeah, you could all you could also swing that and go in zero penalties. Well, he's not amped up in the games, you know, he's he's not committed, he's he, he, or, or anything like that. That that could be a flip side argument. I 
I wouldn't go towards that. I'd go towards, well, it seems that he's a very clean, controlled player. But others could say, like you said, with Tam Jenkins being more aggressive, being more hyperactive with being on that line, that, that Christian Darrisaw wasn't like that. Yeah, I mean, during this sort of draft time, you you know, we can we can look at players and watch players, but we're, we're never going to get that behind the scenes stuff. And I remember reading a couple of draft guides who'd had, you know, relationships with some of the coaching staff who have got nothing but good things to say about him from his attitude and that he is a bit of an introverted character. So maybe it's a bit critical that you want, I don't know, it's just like your stereotypical lineman. You want them to get in there and have at it with some people and, and you know, dominate. Um, so like I said, I think there's going to be some some learning curve, but he is, I think he, he is firmly in at that left tackle. You mentioned Ezra Cleveland. We drafted him last year. Um, and he actually played some reps at guard this year. I don't know whether he's going to stick at guard or not. I think that seems to be the, the direction. Um, so I think if, if that's the case, he's going to be playing left guard next to Darasaur. So he's not going to have any experience next to him. Um, you mentioned our O-line. I think you've been very kind. Our, our <laughs> O-line, our interior especially, is, is appalling, to be brutally honest, of, of how much pressure they give up. Um, and uh, And... I'd, I'd rather there was a more settled line that he comes into because I think um, fans are going to get on him like they do the rest of the line quite quickly if if he doesn't pick it up. You just briefly touched on some of his weaknesses that he's, he's got there and stuff like that. But um, I don't know whether that's just a case of the uh, teams he was going up against because I think if you look through his tape and look at his games, uh, the UNC game and the uh, Miami game, uh, probably the two best games to watch mm. of him for for, uh, for tape, and and they're against the bigger, uh, more NFL ready players coming through. Obviously, I think he, uh, Quincy Roach he marked out the game um, for Miami. Um, so I think maybe like we're looking too much into that as a weakness that he didn't finish because the, the opponents weren't quite there for him because he did step it up in the big games, which I think is a good yeah. thing. I think that's definitely, um, I agree with you that he didn't finish the plays all the time and he sort of like, you know, did sort of go off the ball after he'd done his first job. I think my main concern with him was um, the groin injury that he played with through the back end of the year. I think that's 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 what the surgery uh, has come from as well. Um, like I said, he's, he's not played much and there's worries he's not going to play week one. Um, so I think that's probably my biggest worry with him. Yeah, he's, he's going to be starting off from scratch at a, at a position where really you want him to get reps and familiarity, calling protections, understanding everything about being part of that offensive line unit. So, yeah, he's, he's clearly going to be um, behind the eight ball, really, isn't he? You were heralded in the draft of having a fantastic first round because you did move from that 14 position with the Jets. The Jets move up in the taker, AVT, Elijah Vera, Tucker. Mm -hmm. You guys move down to 23 and you get Christian Darasaw and everyone was of the of the mindset really that, wow, they moved all the way down and still got the player that they, may, they probably were going to take. Now, I'd, I'd argue if you stayed there, you would have taken AVT, I think, personally. But you still got a, a quality offensive lineman. Yes, we've talked about his strengths and weaknesses. And there seems to be uh, a lot of both, really. But were you impressed? Were you surprised or impressed by the fact that they did move down? Did you see it coming? Yeah, it's classic Rick Spielman stuff. Uh, our general mm. manager. We've um, what well, we have fifteen selections in the twenty twenty draft, which is a record. 
uh, 11 se um, selections this year. We didn't have a second round pick because of that Ngakwe trade that happened earlier in the season. Then we traded him away again for a third round. So um, I, I really felt there was a lot of value within those picks of kind of 20 moving up to sort of 40 to 50. And it, mm. it, I, I really hope we get the second round, but I, I felt we got quite a lot of value out of that mm. pick. Um, I, I know the Jets and Jets fans. I went on a Jets podcast actually and um, had a, well, they didn't take to it very well, but I was a bit critical of <laughs> them moving up for a guard. I, I just don't see the point in it because you're mm. only, your interior is only as good as your worst player. Um and I just didn't see the point, despite the fact I really liked Vera Tucker as a player. I thought he was dominant. And I actually wondered at the time whether he would go and play tackle somewhere because I thought he was good enough to do that. Um, but he'll probably be a, a better guard at, at this level. But, I mean, if you look at kind of um, Jimmy Johnson trade charts or if you take, if you want to go analytics um, and look at the PFF wire chart, then we more than made up for that. And, and, and what, I think what, the only thing I was disappointed with is that we stuck in the third round and had four uh, four picks in the third round mm. and didn't move up in, into the second. Um, but classic Spielman, classic analytical route of having as many uh, as many throws as you can, trade down, get value. And um, yeah, I thought it was an awkward spot we picked at, at 14 with our needs, especially the, the kind of, if there was any other, other needs we, with corner, um, potentially being one because of what happened with Jeff Gladney with his off the field stuff we, we've now released. So because the best corners come off the board, I genuinely wonder with it's a bit of a joke that Vikings constantly pick corners, but I, I wonder <laughs> if they hadn't, would we have stayed there and, and picked a corner maybe? Um, but no, who was available? Who was available um, at that point then? Yeah. I mean, the best, the, the player that I wondered is, I mean, you, you said AVT, I mean, again, Darasaur would would not have been. Uh, I don't think many people would raise eyebrows if he was picked there. I think Jalen Phillips was available, but mm, a lot Jalen Phillips would have scared a lot of people off. I think C Caleb Farley as well. That people are scared off by his injuries, yeah. but I mean, pe people would have argued that he's the top corner coming out this year. Yeah. You know, and he was there as well. I know he dropped. He dropped down to the Titans at uh, well, just before you, the pick before right. you guys was he was there. So um, yeah, that, I mean. You, like you said, it's a tricky position there at 14, isn't it? Because in some people's minds, the best players are gone, which that's not true because you can get great players wherever in the draft. We don't really know. It's a monopoly. and it's a, Sorry, not monopoly. It's a, a lottery. Um, so we don't really know. But again, I, I think what you got two third rounders and you gave up a fourth rounder and obviously traded mm. the first. So, yeah, it, it, it's it's unsurprising but then you didn't move up into second if you were to move up in second would it be to it would it have been to take a corner or or another type of player like that what would you have liked to have targeted with that yeah i mean we needed edge um mm. but i don't think it was particularly great edge class we did pick two edge players patrick jones who i was actually a big fan of from from pittsburgh i mean you mentioned like the competition that darris sort of come up mm. against in, in the acc as well i thought i thought jones is is a good player enough um i've got andrew andrew's a huge fan of him as well yeah i really liked him i really liked his first step i actually was went went big or go home and predicted that he'd start for the vikings by the end of the season um so there's your there's your big big take there <laughs> but um yeah, a bit uh, corner again, um, really, and I wondered what whether they'd go up into the um, into the second round and potentially draft Harrison Smith's replacement as well, because I thought there was a good uh, sweet spot for safeties with uh, Trayvon Murray dropping, Richie Grant in there as well. But they then did go quite early into the into the second round. 
Yeah, I, um, I had Patrick Jones very high on my board. I um, thought he'd easily go in the second round with his ability, mm. if not late first round with with how good he actually was and his stats that back it up. Uh, I thought he picked up another player that was on my board uh, and I had him as a, uh, a real high uh, second round pick. And that was Wyatt Davis as well, who you picked mm. up from Ohio State. Um, I think he's going to strengthen your O-line massively as well. So that's another piece of the puzzle. I know it's a very, it's going to be now a very young offensive line uh, with three real young kids on there. But um, with that being said, do you, do you think there was a, a bigger need for maybe a, another attacking weapon? Obviously, you've never really replaced Stefan Diggs. Carl uh, Rudolph's gone. So do you think wide receiver should have been something you could have looked at? You don't think we replaced Diggs? With Jefferson? Well, yeah, well, it, I do think that, that that is a replacement, as in you've now got two wide receivers, mm. two excellent wide receivers. But that's it. I don't think yeah. there's any depth past that. So you're still missing a spot. Yeah, that's very fair. There, there's not much the behind them, is there? Yeah, there, there isn't a lot behind them. Um, that is still a little bit of a concern that there's a reasonable open competition in camp. Um, Chad Beebe is like the slot and not the, not the safest pair of hands. Uh yeah, I was surprised that they waited till, was it Emir Smith-Marset pick to, to get someone at that spot, I believe. Um, so I think, um, well, last season was the second, yeah, second in franchise history with the amount of TD scored behind the 20, uh, 2009 season with the, with the Brett Favre uh, ridiculous season that we had there. But everyone stayed fit, more or less, including Cook, who had like two or three games out. Um, and we weren't the same when he was out and Madison was in. Uh, so, yeah, again, making the use of those those thir those third round picks. I wasn't a fan of the Chaz Surratt selection at all. Um, and I know they like these kind of mobile linebackers and Anthony Barr's restructured. And, and it looks as if it'll probably be his last season here. But I just felt, yeah, like like you say, that that's a fair point that, that a receiver would have been potentially... Um, Potentially something to, to build on, get another another young guy in there. Yeah, I, just I, you, you I, I was I was about to go wilder, Andrew. I was like, well, you you meant to know all these things about the NFL, and they didn't replace Stefan Diggs. Justin Jefferson was amazing last year. Yeah, no, you nearly slipped up. Yeah, I didn't mean yeah. it as in like you didn't replace him for like on like. I mean, there's there, you left the hole. That's what I was saying, sort of thing. Not not that he wasn't a good replacement. Yeah, it was we didn't have much behind him either. To be fair, when when Diggs was there with Thielen, it was still a concern, really, because I think uh, Laquan Treadwell was receiver three. He was obviously a massive mm. draft bust for us, so we we never really had much behind him. And it it still worries me a bit now that if one of them goes down, you're essentially really shadowing one of those receivers with your with a safety. And but I'm really hoping Ev Smith steps up this year. Um, he's still very young. I think he's still only 22, mm. I believe. And I'm really hoping he steps up with Rudolph now gone. Uh, a lot of 12 personnel sets potentially. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what he can do. Because I think, you know, tight end is is usually a difficult position to come into the NFL. You don't usually produce early with that, do you? So um, excited to see what he can bring this year. I think we've already seen a bit of news already of uh, Justin Jefferson going down with an injury in training. Um, so, yeah, it's got to be a slight worry. And I, I think you had a, an absolute fantastic off-season with strengthening the defence. So, um, yeah, I thought offence was a, was, a, was a massive need for some more weapons. Obviously, you are run-heavy, but, um, yeah, I just thought you, you're missing a couple of pieces still. 
yeah, I, I think this it's it's the problem if people get injured, isn't it? Um, I think defensively we were so bad last year. Zim is a defensive coach. Uh, we lost a lot of players in free agency. Uh, we had to draft two corners because of the complete drop off in play of Xavier Rhodes. He was on a fairly big contract and and um, in the 2019 season, get my years sorted here. He, he his drop off was massive. You had Lindvall Joseph, who we got rid of as well, who just wasn't playing the same. Uh, we got Michael Pearson from the Ravens, who then opted out with COVID. So we then had nobody big enough on the defensive line to warrant a double team. And the player who was double teamed, I think something like fifth most in the NFL last year, was Ofedi Odenigbo, who is just mm. not good enough really to win consistently one-on-one. Daniil Hunter was out injured all season with a neck injury, who apparently just looks a beast. In, I know it's like preseason and everyone looks good, but he apparently really looks back to back to his old self. We got Ngokwe in, as I said, when I guess it was quite naive to think that we would compete um, last season. And he was actually still the sack leader, believe it or not, after all 16 games. And he played like five games for us. Hmm. Kendricks missed the last five games of the season, bar injured with a torn pectoral muscle after three, three or four games. I think the Titans game, whichever game that was, game three maybe. So... Um, really exposed, especially with Zimmer's uh, coverage and what he does, these, this kind of man-match um, scheme that that is demands a lot from his corners, put, puts them in difficult situations and makes them make decisions really quickly, uh, depending on routes. And in the end, I think after the bye week, we just went, reverted back to cover two, just to give our young corners some help from um, Harrison Smith and Anthony Harris. So, and then you obviously look at that uh, Christmas Day game where Alvin Kamara just completely ran over us. And I think Zimmer just looked and said, this is just not happening to me again. Um, probably gives him nightmares. So <laughs> it was probably a little overreaction in in really strengthening up that, that defense, but it's just completely transformed, to be honest. It's not going to be anywhere near what it is for, from last season. Um and I think it really will should be back into into top ten again if everyone plays well. Is that what was missing from last year? From this year to last year was that the injuries just affected you guys so much? Because when we talk on the offensive side of the ball, I mean six six thousand two hundred ninety two total yards. That was fourth in the NFL. I, I know I know a lot of this is Dalvin Cook. Like I'm not gonna pretend otherwise. But mm. yeah, but fourth you know four thousand nine passing yards, which is fourteenth, still good top fifteen. You know, offense uh, passing yards. Um, is, is this year going to be the next step? It's going to be the step up now that the players are back healthy. Do you think, do you trust in the offense? Do you trust in Kirk Cousins? I mean, when you look at offense, Dalvin Cook, Justin Jefferson, Adam Phelan, I mean, teams dream of having a trio like that on their offense. And uh, what, what can be the expectations of the Vikings this year? Um, well, I I believe that they're putting, especially with some of the free agency signings with uh, some corner veterans with Patrick Peterson and Bashaw Breeland coming in there. Mm. Um, I believe that they think they're competing. They are going all in because I think if they don't, if they, for example, fail to make the playoffs, I think there could really be a complete um, regime change. Cousins was brought in with, at the time, quite a high contract. Um, there is no such thing as a good QB contract. And, and I don't really look at it and, and moan too much about his contract because I keep being told on Vikings Twitter, which is at times a poisonous place to be, that his money stopped us from getting free agents in, and I don't think it has, to be brutally honest. But like you said, top five in um, mm. offense total yardage. 
uh, yards per play. We don't actually pass the ball that much. So from a passing efficiency perspective, we were we were really good. We rely on play action. The big issue really is anything off script and, and Cousins is just completely reluctant to pull the trigger if the play is not going as as as, uh, as expected and as designed. Um, but to be fair to him, like we said, the the offensive line, you mentioned like the PSF stats. Um, PFF graded the interior unit. Um, so uh, guard center, guard unit, cumulatively over three seasons, uh, they managed a 44.2 pass block grade. Um, and for relativity, the next best interior is Seattle with a 53.1 grade. And hmm. um, a top-ranked Cleveland with 89.8. So if you actually take like the 96-team season, so all 32 teams' hmm. interior grades, um, the right the Vikings ranked 80th in 2018, 90th in 2019, and dead last 96th in, in 2020. Oh, wow. <laughs> so he, he, at times, there were games where I think over 40% of pass uh, of dropbacks, he's under pressure. Now, I don't care who your quarterback is. We've saw that in the Super Bowl. You can't get around that. Um, and, and Cousins, athletically, is probably about the lowest limit you want of a QB athlete nowadays with what they're, mm. they're asked to do. Um, so it's difficult. I'm always, in, in life in general, I'm kind of a glass half empty kind of guy. <laughs> so I never really believe that we'll win anything until we win it. Um, and I don't really ever think Cousins is the man to take us to the promised land. But I do think we can be competitive. I do think we can enjoy some games and enjoy the season. Um, I certainly don't put us down as Super Bowl prospects. I think we'd have comfortably won the NFC North if Rodgers wasn't back, but he is. And I still only see two teams in that. Um, but with seven teams uh, going into the to the offseason, I'd expect us to get there. But it is quite a tough schedule this season because we've got the AFC North. Um and the NFC West, I think, as well. Um, and the Chargers as the opposite um, AFC game for that extra game. So quite a tough schedule. Two of the, two of the hardest divisions. I did have a quick look through your uh, schedule. I think I had you down as eight, possible nine winnable games that I think mm -hmm. you should, should win. Um, now, you say if, if if that's enough to qualify in one of the wildcard spots, you say if you don't qualify and you do have an overhaul, do you think that Kellen Mond could be a potential future quarterback for you? Um, if he has a vaccination. <laughs> I don't know if you've seen much of the stuff at the moment, but um, we, we had a practice... Um, squad QB, a guy called Jake Browning taking all our snaps for about three days this week because of the, the um, I think Mond had it or was, was uh, down as a close contact so then everyone who he was with um, Nate Stanley, don't even know what he's still doing on our roster but and Kirk Cousins <laughs> had to essentially completely um, uh, avoid the facility uh, I I, there, I was pleased to pick up Mond, I thought that was um, a, good, a good pick, they the, the organization told Cousins they were going to pick a QB in the draft this year. Um, I kind of feel disappointed going back to the draft that if we were prepared to do it for Justin Fields, that we didn't make that move and go up and do it if we really thought highly of him. Um, but I don't think they wanted to give up um, capital in future years, so future firsts. Mm. Uh, but looking at what the Bears gave up to move up, what, 10 spots, 11 spots, was just nothing really in comparison. Um, 
I think Mond has got potential. I think he's got a long way to go looking at some of the stuff in camp and the fact that he's, again, not been able to take snaps. I think if we see him this season, we're in trouble. Um, but you obviously <laughs> want to see see progression. Uh, I, I thought he ran the offense quite well. At A&M, he was asked to do quite a lot. Uh, and, I, and I think the ball does come out of his hand nicely. But there's still a, a lot of learning to do. At the end of the day, he was, he was a third-round pick, and I think that was about the right place for him, uh, developmental. Yeah, you've definitely brought him in to uh, sit and learn, and which is what he definitely needed. Um, I, I actually really rated him. I thought he was very underrated going into the draft. I think the fact that he was in a very poor A&M team, uh, I think if he was at any of the big names, any of the uh, sort of SEC teams that were competing, I think he probably would have been high on a lot of boards. But uh, with, with the way he plays and how good he can control the ball and throw the ball. So I think you've got a good one there for the future. And um, fingers crossed, I, I, would, I wouldn't mind seeing him being a starter one day if he is good enough. Yeah, I mean, he's certainly brave um, in the pocket, which, are, which I thought really stood out um, when watching him. Um, but yeah, it'd just be interesting to see how he progresses, really. Uh, but like I said, it just feels a bit of an opportunity missed the way that the Bears um, came above us, to be honest. Well, lots of cute Callum Mon going, Aaron Rodgers, is he staying or is he going now staying? This is all such craziness still. Justin Fields coming into the division. Jared Goff coming into the division. I don't know. I, I don't know how that's a big highlight, but <laughs> Matt Stafford right. leaving the division is probably more of a highlight, really, than Jared Goff coming in. Um, Kevin, thank you for joining us. I really appreciate it. It's been really interesting chatting to you about the Minnesota Vikings and Christian Darasaw and the future of the Vikings as well. Where can we find your podcast, NFL Draft Punk? Uh, you can find us on all the usual places Spotify, Apple, Google. Uh, we are on Twitter at NFL Draft Punk Pod. Um, yeah, we are back to recording now. We got a bit lazy in the off season, but yeah, we we kind of follow the draft, follow um, college players uh, throughout the season leading up to the draft twenty twenty two. We're all back in now, so let's go. Oh, smash it. Well, college football starts very soon as well, as well as the NFL. It's all creeping up on us, guys. It's getting ever closer and we are buzzing, excited for it to finally happen. Thank you for watching the Franchise Tag Podcast. We'll be back again with the future of the Franchise Series. More episodes coming and then we'll get an ab, ab, really our main channel episodes show out very soon because the season is only around the corner. But until then, we'll see you very soon and uh, have a great week. Cheers.